Hello, it's Mike Bradshaw here with The Daily Show and uh, special today. It seems like a long time since I've had uh, anybody to interview in the studio, but I've managed to to coax into the studio the uh, two of the people behind Junior Aspirin Records, Nathaniel Mellers and Ashley Marlowe. Hello. 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 Thanks a lot for coming in. And um, Junior Aspirin Records, if people Google uh, Junior Aspirin, there's um, a kind of bewildering array of of product, if you put it put it like that, and and um, music that you've put out. But let's let's talk about something that has just come out, which is the Bob Parks album. Um, Nathaniel, tell me tell me a little bit about Bob Parks. Bob Bob Parks is a, is an artist that um, works in the visual arts and makes paintings, uh, but also as a performance artist, he's been making work since the '60s when he moved from uh, England to South Central Los Angeles <laughs> to Watts and got quite and had I think he, he has a conception that there is a, that he was looking for the roots of R and B really and that that tied into a lot of his artistic interest generally not just specifically in music but in his approach to sculpture and performance art and he, he joined a gospel church didn't he yeah he joined kojic which he described as the sort of original holy roller <coughs> church you know this is uh, really really quite a, an extrovert sort of black gospel uh, experience and presumably i think bob was the only sort of must have seemed like quite an eccentric you know member of the church you know this kind of crazy english white guy the album's got a real documentary type feel to it it's almost like you can follow kind of vague sort of story to it almost there's yeah. a lot of spoken well not spoken word well there is quite a bit of spoken word in it and yeah um other people apart from bob are represented on the album there's a lot of the kind of preaching and um the other singers are, are on there as well yeah definitely i think he feels i think bob feels very sort of connected to that community and i think that it's quite evident i mean yeah there is the, the documentary material which it's, is kind of intercut with it yeah hearing 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 the uh, the other preachers and stuff it just gives the whole thing it really fleshes it out and gives it its you know some context like that he this guy was actually sort of somewhere where a lot a lot of people might you know in, in a situation where a lot of people might not have actually put themselves um well watts is quite a quite a heavy area isn't it of yeah. los angeles well, there's a great anecdote. I mean, in the in the record, there's an interview that I've done with Bob, um, and there's a, there's some anecdote about him. What is he talking about? These um, these testimonies that the, that they do, and it, it was Bob's turn to do a testimony, and uh, that the keyboard player turned up late because he'd got involved in in a robbery where someone had tried to rob the place where he'd been before, and he'd pulled his gun out to defend himself and sort of like hurt his finger and stuff, so he couldn't play properly. You know, so you've got this kind of stuff going on. And talking about how they sort of because it was right next to where the Hoover Crips was based, so that you know you had this kind of gang central thing going on next to where the church was. So I would imagine it must have been a pretty, you know, intense kind of uh, situation. We'll obviously talk more um, in a while, but let's play a track from the Bob Parks album, which is just out on June Raspberries. The album's called The R and B Feeling. This track is called Spiritual. When the battle gets heated up, Amen. You head in the other direction. I want you to understand that as a Christian, you're gonna have some challenges. Not just from the enemy, the devil outside, but listen, you're going to have some challenges from the inside. You've got to fight even with yourself to do right. Imagine what it is to believe in angels. Imagine what it is to believe in a God. Imagine what it is to believe that man is more than just impulse and cold evolution to believe in a future of purpose and hope. Keep your cool, your spiritual. 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 Up there, quick God, I look down below. Here, my brothers and sisters, here alone I show. Mighty high in the sky will they be for my stall. And Lord, hallelujah, they are breaking my fall. And Lord, hallelujah, they are breaking my fall. Hey, I say everyone's split, but just over the hill, they 
acting hip, dancing real hip hop skill, my bro says, show them the way, and I take my space, and there I display brother love in their face, real soul message, I move over the hill, giving out with the blues, all my niggas be still round, the blanket they blow, I need hallelujah for my presence at home. Listen to the Daily Show on Totally Radio, and that was Bob Parks from the R&B Feeling on Junior Aspirin, a track called Spiritual. And I'm here with Nathaniel Mellers and uh, Ashley Marlow, who run the label. He's um, he's a strange character. There's some good photographs of him on the Gong Show in the States, isn't there? From um, when he appeared on television. Yeah, Bob went on to the Gong Show in uh, in the mid '70s when uh, when he after he'd moved to uh, Los Angeles and was involved in performance art, and at the same time he'd gotten involved with joining Kojic, which is the uh, Church of God in Christ, which is yeah. this kind of a uh, Baptist, uh, Pentecostal church, I think, which is this kind of holy roller church. But I met Bob. I mean, Bob's sixty now, and uh, I met I met Bob two years ago when I was making a film, and he, uh, I was looking for a kind of older guy that wouldn't mind being attached to a tree to, and <laughs> shouting some dialogue. And some a friend of mine, Robin Klasnick, who's a gallerist in London, suggested Bob because he'd been at art college with Bob in the sixties and remembered him being quite a sort of far out character, yeah. quite an eccentric sort of fellow. And he'd pop back up again in London, having gone on this kind of, I don't know, you know, he'd been journey. Li- yeah, a long journey of self-discovery. Yeah, exactly. Or... Moving to moving to to Watts in in LA in the seventies and getting involved in all these things and this kind of kind of quite an edge of performance art and at the same time this kind of a this pursuing R and B and which led him into the the kind of church experiences where he was in in his mind looking for some kind of root of R and B as being applicable to kind of art and music in different ways. Well, that that reflects the the nature of the label in a lot of ways because there is a bridge between art art and music, isn't it? A lot more so than many other labels, even that would claim to do that. You actually do do that. Yeah, that's true. I think. Well, I mean, I suppose quite a few of the the people involved musically are. are involved in different levels of art you know making and filmmaking and different things and you know well on on the wiki page about you it says that you are a not-for-profit record label fantastic (laughs) who writes that stuff did did, did we write that i suppose someone affiliated with the label did write that but is that true though that you're a not-for-profit yeah well yeah well yeah exactly i mean any profits that are made are just put back into the next project the next record right exactly or if it's you know if it's say if we're you know if if we were making profit on a rebel album then we'd you know, it would go half to him and then half into the next project. So there's no, there would be no accumulation of. Profit. I think re- the, I think the rebel uh, material is probably actually <laughs> helping to fund our share of the money from that. It's probably helping to fund uh, other more esoteric. Well, I mean, not that the rebel isn't quite esoteric, but he's quite an established person, yes. uh, an artist compared to the rest of the roster, mm. which could just be. Us, yeah, I don't know. It could be any combination of sort of like. Um, well, I mean, no one knows Bob Parks because Bob Parks has been, well, you know, sort of um, just not, you know, as an even as an artist. He, I mean, the thing was, I, when I met him, he invited me back to his to his mum's bungalow, which was nearby where he was staying temporarily, although he also lives in London. And his mum's bungalow was just like this kind of art museum. It was just full of hundreds of paintings and sculptures and this kind of eighty-year-old, eighty-something. 
Yeah, all yeah. by Bob. All yeah. stuff that he'd done from the 60s onwards. Everything was kept. A lot of it was visible, but there was mountains of stuff up in the attic. So it was all amazing. I so mean, it was he, just... nobody's actually gets to see that? No, No, I mean, really, you should be able to just go there and look at I mean, it. But, you know, <laughs> like his say... little old you know, yes. his mum's so sitting in the middle of it. He's an outsider artist in, the, in, in that sort of term. It's, well, it's a funny term to apply to someone. I mean, he's an outsider in the sense that he's, he's had absolutely very little... He's had no little or no support from what you call the kind of commercial mechanisms of art making. I mean, he's completely outside of that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you can hear also in... That the, you know this. Then later he sent me this CD of this <laughs> music. I had no idea what to expect. You know, I didn't. I don't think I listened to it for a few weeks. You know, I think, oh no, what's Bob sent me now? You know, sort of like. <laughs> and it was fantastic when I finally listened to it because it just kind of put so many things together. It made sense on lots of levels, and at the same time, it's incredibly difficult to. It's this awkward, mm. wonderfully awkward thing. With, with the with the album, there's actually. Um, there's been quite a lot of care put into the packaging of the album, and there's quite a selection of his paintings are reproduced on the album, so you can get a feeling of his, of his, of the, of the, of, the, of, uh, of his the, style, yeah. yeah, and how wide it is yes. from you Just know, and, and he, and I do think that there's some real, real kind of talent, and and it's 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 it's, it's quite interesting stuff. Yeah, but he also, also did performance art as well. He wore a, a 15 foot no parking sign on top of his head for two weeks in Leicester, didn't he? That's right. Yeah, that was, so. He does go into p- performance art as well because you you've actually performed with him actually, haven't you? Yeah, well, we both did. I don't know how this quite how this tied in, but he did uh, he did actually have a show that opened up in a, a small. Uh, uh, kind of quite hip gallery in 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 uh, Amsterdam. Yeah, Zinger presents in Amsterdam. Yeah. And we backed him. We yeah, we kind of brought the music and the art together for the opening show, and we we off- offered ourselves up as his backing band, and we tried to do what he, you know, what he what he wanted really. Yeah, we just followed um, his direction yeah. really with it. And then he did this. Uh, yeah, he did this quite wild performance. Yeah. Which, Some of it's uh, on YouTube actually. Yeah, it's mm. it's 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 uh, if you go to actually you can see the Gong Show. show performance that he did he had this persona called his big nose persona this is what he's doing on the gong show in the with chuck barris and his you know they made the film about uh what was it called confessions of a dangerous mind yeah because he was secretly involved with the cia and all this stuff but anyway if you go on youtube you can see if and you you google uh, big nose plus the gong show you can watch that and then there's a there's a link to the uh Big nice performance at, uh, at Zinger Presents, which is the thing that we did last year with him. So it's you know it's uh, thirty years later or whatever. It's quite 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 funny to do though. It's quite quite an awkward uh, sort of situation. I find like as a musician to sort of be playing in a sort of art gallery space like the, the you know because it's just like acoustically it's always really horrible so like you know you tap a drum and it sounds it sounds massively loud yeah. and so I, I mean I, I try and watch it but I can't help but sort of re- be reminded of my sense of discomfort yeah it was it was wonderful though to do something with Bob because I reckon Bob would never have imagined in his wildest dreams that he'd have an album no. out do you know what I mean it yeah. would have been the last thing I think he would have I, I would like to believe you know mm. do you know what I mean it, this I whole yeah. thing is about Really is about Nat. I think seeing something that he thought was was such an amazing body of work created without with, without little or no kind of like you say mm. commercial support and all, you know, almost no commercial intention. And no, you're right. He's, yeah, exactly. he's documented he's documented his life through his art and mm. kept it. And mm. now there's this amazing array <laughs> array of stuff to tap into. Yeah. Mm. And and when we played in the gallery, obviously there's all this work hanging around the walls around us, and that 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 varies so wildly. You know. Mm. In terms of scale and you know mm. material, and some of it's incredibly intricately detailed, and some of it's just very like you know abstract, simple and abstract. Yeah. Mm. Fantastic, just yeah, very very interesting kind of yeah. guy. Yeah, and he came on in sort of naked in a, some kind of jock strap, mm. and then he did like two or three costume changes within a sort of twelve minute sort of musical performance there was horse <laughs> horse hair coming from his out, anal com, region coming out of his ass but I couldn't see how it was attached to him because he I don't was, think seemed to needs, be naked at I, that stage I know how it was attached I don't know whether I've, anyone needs to know yeah <laughs> at the end of it I'd, <laughs> after he painted himself yellow and stuff he took this sort of cape off or whatever it was that he was wearing and um, he wanted to put this jerkin on that he wanted to wear afterwards which was basically like a a, a, a paint, an oil painting that he'd made in at some point in the 60s. It looked like a Jackson Pollock, like this sort of spatter painting, and he'd kept it. And at some point, it had been stitched together into a sort of 
tunic. Yeah, into a tunic. And I was trying to get it on him, you know. And he's not put on much weight over the years, but, you know, it was really, really hard to, 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 to get this painting onto him. You know? And then he walked around wearing this like, old painting for a bit. Fantastic. Well, we'll probably touch on Bob, Bob again, but uh, let's play another piece of music. And we mentioned, or you mentioned, The Rebel a little earlier on, and people may know The Rebel as the uh, frontman of Country Teasers. But he makes solo albums as well under the name of The Rebel. And um, the new one, is it out yet, or is it just coming out? Just um, it's coming out on... Uh, it's, it was supposed to be coming out as close to April the 1st as possible. Right. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> OK. <laughs> Mouthwatering Claustrophobic Changes is the name of the record, and we'll talk about it in a little while, but this is the title track. That's a rebel and the title track, Mouthwatering Claustrophobic Changes from the new album, which is out any week now on Junior Aston Records. And I'm here with Nathaniel Mellers and Ashley Marlowe, who run the label. And um, people were, may have detected Black Sabbath going on there with, <laughs> with a Bauhaus mashup sort of style. Pretty good for the, you know, for the kind of goth market, that, isn't it? Yes, cover, <laughs> covering all the bases on that one. Get your upside down crosses out Absolutely. for that one. It's quite a lot different from, from the previous Rebel album, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely a lot more. I think it's it's a more sort of it's got a more introspective mood. This yes, one. it feels like I mean it's called mouthwatering claustrophobic changes, or the full title mouthwatering claustrophobic changes at six foot five inch John Lewis's one point zero five meter square cell. It seems to be a, a bit of an assault on the sort of heritage pop culture thing. I think the this sort of recycling of pop music that's been perhaps you know kind of quite omnipresent over the last few years um, so it seems to be sort of digesting that you know and spitting it out and the very first track is called Billy McKenzie I wish he was still alive yeah yeah <laughs> which is I a brilliant it's a brilliant title isn't it because yeah. Billy McKenzie was a was a had a, you know was just a what you know wonderful talent and again sort of came across as a you know, perhaps quite, a, you know, quite a fragile character. Maybe you know, you, you can, you know, Billy McKenzie, and uh, with his voice, he could kind of like really soar, you know, really go somewhere. I mean, I, I was just really pleased when I saw that because I, I've, I've got a real fondness and a feeling for Billy McKenzie. You get that a lot with Ben. A lot of things that he highlights, rather, you know, in a, in a non-critical way as well, are, are just, are just, you know, are, are things that I can, I can feel like I can relate to too. Yeah. So yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. you put out music by, by other people, but the main springboard motivation behind Junior Aspirin was, was to put out your own music that both of you make. Initially, yeah. And it, well, initially we just had the opportunity to put something out and we'd, we'd formed Skill 7, Stamina 12 and there was a, an opportunity to do a residency in a, at Duncan and Jordanston College up in Scotland for a, for a few days. So we went there and lodged in there as a band and played in this sort of room and talked to people and made some drawings and things and they and on the occasion of that the they they paid for our first seven inch and that was how uh, 
Junior Aspirin Records started. So, so that, yeah, so they paid for this seven inch of which there were just boxes there to be yeah. given, given away free <laughs> yeah, to exactly. stu- students in, in the fr- in the Freshers it Week. It was Freshers Week. But exactly. to be honest, this is a great thing. This, <laughs> how many bloody students have even got a record player, or even know what one looks like? So what we've basically got is a couple of hundred copies of a seven inch that we can flog. Yes. When it's all over. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Crafty. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And highly, that's a highly exploitative take you, on and it, we've and it? we've sold them. I think yeah. that's probably <laughs> they have gone, haven't they? Those I think they have. Actually, over I, years, I can't. Actually, yeah. I, you know, I think they have. You do, you do issue a lot of limited editions. They've got some um, kind of strange formats, and uh, yeah. and obviously you do vinyl as well as CDs. Um, do you think it's important for music still to have a physical representation, or in this age of the download? I think so. I mean, one of the things I found. I mean, I've I've got the, an iPod, and you know, I've got a, you know weeks and weeks of material on it. But there is, it's so accessible now that. The, T- you can just kind of collect and collect without really engaging, you know. And I find that's that's the download culture for me. It's like, oh, I can get that downloading off blogs. Uh, whereas there's a commitment, isn't there, when you've got an object to the listening experience, which I think is really key. And I also think you just cannot understate the importance of of artwork, you know, the the physicality uh, of a record as a kind of uh, foil to the the actual experience of what the music's doing. That, that there are. You know, there are images, there are ideas, there are concepts. You just simply cannot separate those things out. I don't think. I'm at the other end of the spectrum to to sort of I, to kind of people that you know just have lots of music on an iPod. I don't I don't actually have an iPod yet. I'm not saying I won't have one um, eventually, but I mean I, I collect records and stuff like that, and I don't even think it has to be rational. I think this is the really good thing about Junior Aspirin is the fact that you know we feel like we want to see our our, our music on a record. So we'll raise the money from somewhere. If it sells, it sells. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Mm. It's just like you know you want it to exist in a certain way because that's that has more more of a deeper, satisfying resonance for you, for you, and that's what you should follow those instincts, not just think oh you know Christ, there's no point in that anymore. I mean, if everybody thought like that, then I mean this is how things this is how things just disappear, and I, I, I you know. Not every decision you make has to be rational. It doesn't, you know. Is, uh, is that a fair enough yeah, thing totally, to say? Totally, totally. I think I would encourage everyone to buy the vinyl, <laughs> and you can get it from our website. It's probably easiest, especially if you're listening in America. Junioraspirin dot com. Exactly. You can just email us, and we can send it out to you. But having said that, if that's if you haven't got a record player, the, the, all the older releases are actually on iTunes. I'm ashamed right. to say, which yes. we probably never receive any royalties but for. You, but they you, are there. If you know. um, the, mentioning um, strange formats. Possibly the strangest one is the clear polycarbonate eight-inch triangular vinyl. Yeah, of um, kind of spoken word stuff. This is this is one of yours, isn't it, Nathaniel? Yeah, this is me and um, and Andy Cook, uh, who's the uh, main character in in Socrates that practices music, who we'll probably listen to later on as well. Who yes, another band that quite very much involved with the label. Andy's very involved with the label. And there's this is like four, there's four tracks on this eight-inch triangular polycarbonate <laughs> record there are 50 copies of this thing the four tracks have been recorded for over at different points over the last five years so that yeah recently while shopping i bumped into someone really famous really what did she say she said oh isn't it strange she said isn't it isn't it, isn't it strange bumping into you is it i asked Yes, you, you seem like a smart guy. Think about it. And I thought about it for a while and I, I put it together. Yes, I, I've been following the changes in your image. You've become warmer, a lot, a lot warmer, and you've kind of softened. It's really something. I saw you talking about Buddhism on the television. And she said that she wasn't very impressed. That she wasn't very impressed by English sanitary arrangements. Even though we had, like, invented them because you're kind of forced together in a small space like cattle but worse she said that where possible she avoids gender specific bathrooms and uses those conveniences intended for the use of handicapped people which she prefers because they are more roomy they're better lit they're cleaner and she can sit down without taking her backpack off wow what did you say to that well she carried on talking about and I just kind of drifted off and started thinking about how funny it was that this person was here with me that it all made a funny kind of sense and even this toilet thing was like some kind of climax of her movement towards the people 
how successful that's all been. Uh, you know, moving towards me at an almost unnoticeable speed because I just feel so comfortable with you being here. And I don't think I would have before. You, 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 you could be like an old friend now that, that I see often or a piece of furniture in my house, well used. And I tried to maneuver myself around as I was talking quite carefully until I had my back to her and then sit down. To sit, I tried to sit on her and she dropped her shopping and looked really angry. And one leg, I kind of sat on one leg. Wow, what did she say to that? Well, not, not really any words. She left, but really not so cool. She left some grapes on the pavement. So what did you do? I, I ate them. Yeah, that was a, that's a bit of writing that I made up about a, an awkward encounter between a, a man on the street and a celebrity and him trying to engage with her, reaching out to her, and then sort of... Uh, what does he do? Yeah, he kind of tries to sit on her during the conversation while she's talking. He sees some kind of encouragement, which is imaginary, and then tries to manoeuvre himself around to it's, her horror. It, uh, she flees. It, <laughs> I find it quite weird, this is that. I think it does, actually. There's a real uncomfortable... It feels quite tense and uncomfortable <laughs> to me. Like, I think it's conveyed quite well. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that, but uh, I like it. So that's, that's the uh, one that's pressed on clear polycarbonate. What is polycarbonate? It's a clear-looking plastic, and I don't know. It's, press, it's nice and quiet pressing. It's not, it's not noisy. No, they're all hand, these are lathe-cut records. Right. So they're made by a guy called Pete King in New Zealand, and it, and it took about nine months you know, to get it turned around. Um, uh, he's, very, well, he's very busy, isn't he? And yeah, I think he's got a lot. He has to do them one by one. Yeah, it's all done in real time. So this one isn't a really one. extraordinary... I've got some imaginary image of what this place must be like but out in the countryside in New Zealand. But, yeah, this is a real labour of love, an incredible thing, I think. Heartening to know that someone is doing it and, you know, you're ordering it and putting it out. That's it. So 50 copies there, if anyone wants one, get in touch. Yeah, I mean, I look, just taking that release, I mean, not, not trying to blow any trumpets here, but, like, you know, it, this, it doesn't necessarily make any sense to, to, do, to do these things. But it's, it's quite liber- I think it must be quite liberating for, for all of us, really, just to sort of release these things out into the world. I mean, you, you, you fear that maybe they're just going to, you know, they're really not going to get that widely just distributed at all. They might just sit somewhere not going anywhere. But I think they, 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 do, they do trickle out. And um, they spread like like mould. Yes, in all sorts of different ways, <laughs> yeah. not not necessarily in industry ways, not yeah, in, necessarily no. in commercial ways, but exactly. So, so was the the first release was was by the band that you are both in, which is called Skill Seven Stamina Twelve. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if people have heard the the tracks we've played so far by Bob Parts Revel and and the last one, they're quite different. Mm. Um, when they listen to Skill Seven Stamina Twelve, perhaps it's more recognisably rock music or in some sort of area yeah, of, rock, of pop or rock music yeah i think it when well, we started doing it in about 2001 2002 and it's myself and ashley dan fox and micah Sherell and who's on vocals and dan's on guitar ashley drumming and me on bass so there is immediately that that well, at least when we started there's that kind of clear sense of a kind of rock format and probably some a, a kind of set of influences which are relatively clear maybe you know sort of somewhere within the realm of post-punk it started I think but having said that Micah's approach to vocals is extremely unusual yes it's um, from the Yoko Ono school almost I would say yeah it's from a kind of some I don't know yeah Montessori school (laughs) it's a kind of very intuitive without probably in her mind a a frame of reference in terms of the kind of uh, musical context like you you know I don't think so it's something that she's brought to it probably coming out of her own art practice as there would be a logic yeah she's an artist as well Uh, she's a painter exactly again I think this could be quite awkward sometimes like for 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 people in the audience because like the the thing with skill seven was like I felt like one thing I was trying to bring to it initially and I I, I let go of this and this is from again was a good good experience for me to learn more about viewing things in a different ways but like I was trying to say you know we should be a band and we should like get on bills and play you know play the, the toilet circuit and blah 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 I was trying to push us down that route and of course we get up there and we'd start playing and I don't know you know then sometimes I'd sense that you know Micah would do her thing and people are really they're really quite there was because I don't think there was she wasn't trying to base herself on some you know musical model 
mm. you know, that she had in mind someone out. Do you know what I mean? She's just doing her kind of thing. People don't see a lot of that anymore. You know, you could see mm. people within that kind of in in these kind of venues and stuff where they're you know perhaps I think people are a bit sort of a bit jaded really, and then someone comes along and they're just sort of being themselves and sort of. You know, maybe she didn't present, you know, presented herself a certain way. Maybe not the most confident performer, but vocally doing this quite unusual stuff. Yeah, you know, it was a weird combination. Mm. And yeah. some people really liked it. You know, they really liked it. And other people, they just want to. You know, I mean, I'm criticising people again, but I just felt like it's <laughs> like it's asking you to kind of like forget about bloody, you know, what a front person should be. You know, it's it, 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 a lot of the time it all seems to get. This seems very narrow and sort of restricting. Well, I think. I mean, for me, the idea of these kind of incongruities, these kind of clashes of things, a certain kind of incongruous elements, are are really really fundamental to to lots of of music that I consider great and lots of art yeah. that I consider great. I just don't think there has to be some kind of schisming thing in there for it to be generating something which feels like it's actually pushing the envelope. Otherwise, you're simply dealing with a form, and in, in which case the rules are fixed already. Yeah, and then you've just got good exponents of the form. Exactly. You know, I mean, great. And I don't think that's <laughs> ever been anything, some, something that the people involved with this label are interested in. Let's yeah. play uh, Skill 7, Stamina 12 anyway, and this is a track called The Horror. Skill 7, Stamina 12. This is Daily Show. My name is Mike Bradshaw. I'm here with Nathaniel Mellers and Ashley Marlowe of Junior Aspirin. And um, I looked, another thing that I found that was a description of what you do is on Discogs, and it said the label was distorted funk, post-punk, industrial and experimental. Who wrote that, do you think? I might have written that when we started, probably just on the basis ah. at the time of just the first 7-inch, with a kind of imaginary idea of what the record would become. That's the problem with the internet, isn't it? You know, this stuff all just floats yeah. around out there. Yes. I should go out there and start deleting things. But it's quite a good, um, it's quite a good description. Do you think there's any such thing as the avant-garde anymore in music? Or um, I believe in the avant-garde. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I know that that's a, that's something that would attract a lot of derision, maybe from a lot of quarters. But I do. I do think that it's right there. You know. I mean, I don't know. I, 
I don't know how to put it into words. Uh, I think it'd be nice to not have to sort of conceptualise these things and just like if you want to do something on impulse that's a bit weird or doesn't really make sense, whether it's music or art or whatever, then you just do it. You know, that could be classified as sort of avant-garde. I mean, I, n- I know that people, you know, if, you, if you're if you're engaged in a sort of a long-term sort of art project or whatever, it's got you've got to give it a form. But you know, I just think that you know the, the avant-garde it would be nice to think that that kind of just stems. Well, presumably, well, I think, I presumably think, it does, rather than it's something that you know you consciously kind of. Yeah, it's like an affectation or something well, to think, be to be weird. You know, I don't think we're we're being weird for the sake of. Being I think that, weird. that those kind of observations relate to something we were talking about earlier about the idea that certain forms become established and then people perceive it as a set of rules. So they think the idea that it's that, that the avant-garde stuff somehow has come and gone and that their people are operating within a form. But I think the idea that people cannot fundamentally respond radically to whatever's going on in the world is is an absurd idea so i think that that there's always some kind of avant-garde possibility you know Mm. what's the the country teasers quote don't mock the avant-garde you only mock the avant-garde because it's a bit too hard let's talk about this this new record of yours which uh, has got a fantastic cover it's handmade sleeves isn't it hand printed yeah the yeah this this doesn't really have a title we refer to it as the sort of improv album or improv ep but it's a, it's a four track album the sleeve is two kind of quite highly pixelated photographs of two well known stars of uh, music and screen <laughs> namely James Brown and uh, Christopher Lloyd no it's not Christopher Nick Lloyd Nolte. Nick Nolte and this is both kind of mm, police mugshots of them after having unfortunate incidents where they've been caught drinking and driving or doing, yeah, some, doing something and driving. Or worse. And they look terrible. Yeah, or worse. Angel dust and brandishing guns yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah, you know. freeway chase. They look truly awful. James Brown is unshaven and his hair's all over the place. Great dressing gown. Wearing a dressing gown, sort of off the shoulder look. And Nick Nolte looks terrible. It's like a transient. Um, <laughs> he does. His, his hair's all also, greasy and horrible looking. What I like about that one as well is, is, is the Hawaiian shirt. What's it say there? It says something of Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. School, uh, surf school of Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the massive, massive drug binges and then these these arrest photos. Well, yeah, I, um, I acquired those arrest photos and uh, and made the um, made them as... Uh, they're, they're handmade silk, four-colour silk screen, so all the sleeves are kind of... Um, and how many of these different. are going to be... Uh, is it out yet? It's come no, that's coming out in about two months. But it's available from our from our site yeah. now. It's, it's a split album with three different three different artists. There's one there's one side which is two tracks by Skill Seven, Stamina Twelve, which may actually turn out to be our maybe possibly our last sort of recordings. That might be the end of end of us, which is kind of interesting because. I mean, I don't know if I've really spoken to Nat about this. I don't know if he realised. I mean, I hope you're okay with that. We're breaking up live on air. That's yeah. a David Bowie moment. You know, we started, We, <laughs> you know, the reason, this album's quite important to me personally. I kind of feel like I had quite a bit to do with this one and I kind of like, I'm a bit f- fearful for its for its, uh, for its its fortune. Uh, but basically, you know, Skill 7, Stamina 12 started off doing quite short, quite tightly composed and structured songs you know, some were just a minute and a half. You know what I mean? And then, the, the, and then we we did an album called Skill Seven: Stamina Dead, which I know from my point of view, I, I had this little idea in my head that we should approach that album as if we were just making one last. You know, this was going to be our final fuck. What anyone you know expects from us? Not that anyone did um, expect anything from us at all, but. Um, you know, we're just going to totally go all out and make the record we want to make without any kind of concessions to anything. And we did that, and that was great. And then this is this is somehow even post that. I mean, it's it, the first track has actually got a fair degree of form to it, but the second one is probably like. But you know, it is the sound of us creating spontaneously in a room, and then listening back to the recordings and identifying those two pieces of music by us, um, and the fact that they were created just completely spontaneously in that way. Yeah, it's not. It's nothing new, but I just liked it the way that that felt and sounded. We then realised that we had some other material from other projects that was was conceived, uh, was created in exactly the same way. Um, so we put them all together on a twelve-inch EP. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I like I, I like this record, but it's, it's but maybe a bit challenging again. But quite, I think yeah, it's quite. It is a challenging record, but I think they're all challenging in different ways. I mean, yeah, Ashley conceived this one. I think really he sort of like a proposed this and put it together you, as a you, package you, which is uh, very when you mentioned it to me actually last week you said that you thought with this particular track which is um, coming in behind us yeah. uh, you thought there was definitely something going on 
in mm. this track. What did you What did you mean by that? Well, the, 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 I think the one we're we're playing is is the same things track, and again that I'm, I'm, I'm I was part of, part of the band. Well, yeah, it wasn't the band. It was you know a couple. It was a couple of sessions um, with uh, there's a. It was quite an unlikely union of people. There's a, there's a, a, a one guy called Sam Duke, who who's quite famous now, I guess, in a, relatively for for being in in the Go team. Quite a sort of uplifting sort of party proposition, and then and then DJ Scotch Egg, uh, who's known for mad Game Boy Gabba music and throwing hurling Scotch eggs at his audiences, but who is also an incredibly sort of in, in, intuitive and gifted musician. Uh, and me me and Sam really kind of like support you know kind of sort of lent some support to him him doing some music in a, in a very different almost acoustic style recorded with one mic in a, li- in a little room and uh and i don't know I, I thought there was something you know it really the the track really kind of grows and and ends uh, and there was no no planning and no discussion but there quite a lot sort of seemed to just fall fall into place from nowhere and uh, and then there is one other track on it that I'm very very fond of as well by 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 Toilet, which is uh, me and Nathaniel here, and um, and some uh, and, and another musician who's who's a relative outsider to to to, to the organisation generally, um, but kind of comes in and out called called Chris Butler, and um, and that that was conceived when we were making some music I think uh, to, that might to might have gone into a film. Um, but we ended up having this very strange jam after a couple of days of spending time with each other. Uh, no, no premeditation, no discussion, and, and involving hurling objects around this quite large space. Studio space. We did it. We, we were in. A, we did it all in Amsterdam in a in this building, this former military building, which is the Rijks Academy. It's a sort of uh, artist residency program where I was for two years. So we we recorded this these toilet sessions there, and then uh, last year we did a couple of days. Um, which, also thinking it was going to be maybe for a kind of art project, but it's ended up being this album uh, which we're going to release under the name Advanced Sportswear. But we'll come, I suppose, we'll come on to that. Well, let, let's um, let's hear how this track evolves and progresses. Mm. Thank you. 
So that, that's a track called Toothache, or this is a track called Toothache by Same Things, which is coming out on the Junior Aspirin label, the um, the split. It is an album, really, isn't it? It's, it's a, it's yeah, a, more or less. I mean, yeah, it's a fairly shortish album, but but I think you, you probably, if you were you to listen through to both sides, you probably wouldn't need any more than what's there. Yeah. It's, you know. It's uh, quite rich, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, I was, I was going to just quickly say just a little bit about the, the very, the very, um, the very last track as well because I, you know, I feel like that achieves something a bit unusual the toilet track yeah if people if you know if people can sort of have a little bit of patience you know when listening to some of these things I think it achieves something a bit unusual it's quite quite it's barely it's barely kind of music but it, I've it, to me it's you know it's kind of it opens up the whole kind of question of it's I don't know how to describe I don't even really know how to describe it really I just I, find, I found it quite exciting to be a part of and um but I, I think it would require you know people to actually listen you know and, you and, people... allow, and try and allow themselves to kind of like you know or try and you know inhabit the space of the music and because in the old days when you bought a record it's probably you couldn't afford that many records so the records that you did buy you were forced to listen to them because they weren't, there weren't any other records to listen to at home mm. now that music is freely available you know in virtually you know un, you know huge quantities yeah if somebody doesn't like something or they don't get on with it they just move on to the next thing don't they there's yeah. no there's no nothing to force them to listen to the, to something to get something out of it eventually because people yeah. haven't got the patience or the time well i think there's a there is a desensitization but i think that's the result of i mean i don't think that's just happening at the level of music i think that's happening across the mass media you know through the proliferation of media and you know this kind of a constant bombardment Outlets. of information yeah, yeah. exactly uh, which, so it doesn't necessarily uh, encourage a kind of committed engagement, uh, you know, ge- in a kind of more general sense. You know, like when there were just two TV channels or something. Mm. You know, so yeah. it's interesting to to look at these things and consider these things rather than just absorbing it. You know, sort of I don't know, unquestioningly. Well, I mean, you, you've, you've been working for a long time together, haven't you? You go yeah, back a long yeah, way, don't you? Yeah, how, started, how many years is it? Uh, since well, you... we first started making <laughs> music in. I think the first record we put out was in 1993. It was in 1993, like right. yeah. We were making techno that then. Yeah, we were releasing, you know, we did actually ran New Gram Records. We were in a band called Corridor initially, then Cone Melt that became. We did three albums as Cone Melt. Sabres of Paradise. That, there was some material on Sabres of Paradise. Didn't we do so four was, albums now? Four albums. We did four <laughs> albums. There's the f- yeah, then there's the fourth unforgettable album, which I've forgotten. Um, but <laughs> yeah, four albums. There's a lot of stuff anyway, and stuff under different pseudonyms. We had kind of, we had kind of a, a little. No, it wasn't. It was never like a professional career, but we, yeah, we were kept busy for for nearly ten years. Um, yeah. Doing all that, doing music of, uh, you know, sort of a electronic nature. I mean, most of it, you know, with with the intention of people being able to dance to it, but it also maybe being, you know, kind of a bit, a bit unusual. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But I mean, Ashley has always, you know, been in all camps of music really, and like we were, we talked about that earlier, and obviously he's, you know, continued to run club nights and is producing uh, electronic music now so that's never gone away for Ashley whereas I've sort of you know but moved slightly away from it ju- Junior Aspirin isn't the right outlet for, for I think it depend, would depend mm. on the record um, I think one I mean we're, we're going to listen to some advanced sportswear material which is which was all recorded in Amsterdam with piano and drums. But the next advanced sportswear material was going to will be a lot, a lot more electronic, um, probably with live drum machine playing and stuff like that. And uh, and uh, and if you, even on the Remove Celebrity Centre compilation, which oh, is yeah. the, which is the label compilation, almost like a sampler, it's a CD release, which is uh, I'm very proud of. There, there are tracks like uh, Chris Butler's track yeah. the, uh, under the name This, which is uh, which is really. Uh, I don't know what what genre is that closest to. Probably closest to dubstep in a way, isn't it? Or sort of maybe not dubstep. But it's, a, it's a sort of slow, you know, purely electronic piece of music. I've got, I'd have no problem with releasing it, but I think the question would be whether or not it was the best outlet for that <laughs> music. It would depend on the music, mm. the nature of the music. You know, if you've got a mass a thing which potentially can circulate through club DJs, that's a dubstep. Step twelve inch. There'd be little point in putting it on junior aspirin because it simply wouldn't reach those people. <laughs> but it, were you to were you to do a dubstep informed track that had some, like you said earlier, mm. some kind of strange schism that would yeah. a, would alienate your average clubber, <laughs> then let's put it It'd out on junior aspirin. It'd be perfect. Exactly. We would seize that opportunity. Absolutely. Do it on a ten inch and make you know make it look like a dub exactly. plate. <laughs> But with something not quite right. <laughs> exactly, with some little pieces of rice glued to yes. it. Cross it so it kind of doesn't play properly. God, I hope this isn't sounding contrived now. 
You mentioned Remove Celebrity Centre, which is a records compilation you did, a Junior Aspen Records compilation, which comprises 14 tracks of various artists. Um, yeah, that's a sort of, that's a mixture of artists from uh, London and around, you know, uh, uh, myself and Dan Fox, but then also people through kind of Ashley's connections in Brighton. So it sort of mixes the, uh, and also a few other people that we know internationally, like uh, the Extra Action Marching Band from San Francisco and uh, DJ Lonely out in Amsterdam. So. I enjoyed yeah. the uh, the extraction marching band. It's recorded on a ship, apparently. Is that right? That's yeah. right. So yeah. actually, it's recorded in Amsterdam on uh, Stubnitz, which is, right. an, uh, uh, I think, on a military ex-military ship. There's a, that's from a whole album, and the album's really entertaining. That dirge, as I understand it, is almost like a New Orleans kind of funeral dirge, yeah. isn't it? And it does sound has that kind of mournful New Orleans. Yeah, it has a of sort of Balkan sound to it as well. This is a great compilation, actually. It's got Sue Tompkins on it from Life Without Buildings, who are a great band. Uh, Socrates at Practice Music, Charlotte Field. There's lots of stuff on it. Uh, DJ Lonely, uh, who um, the, the, his track "So Wrong" is a brilliant track, sort of acid house blues track, very yeah. unusual track. I think, that, I think that's one of the strongest tracks on it as yeah. well. Yeah, the lyrics exactly. are really funny because they do sound like they're totally drawn from you know from real experience that he's alienated <laughs> himself from all of his friends and the people that have been supporting him. But well, which yeah. one should we play then? Should um, we play the Socrates We're going to play Socrates that practices music and the track's called The Young People. This goes a bit electronic.
Socrates that practices music and uh, a track called The Young People and that's taken from the Junior Aspirin's uh, compilation which is called Remove Celebrity Centre which is still available from junioraspirin.com and as, as you can get more information and, um, and just check out the site generally I suppose Great track by Socrates that Yeah we music. were just really enjoying listening to that actually I haven't listened to that for quite a while Really good there's a, a, a long, long-standing commitment to it. That there is a lot of Socrates that practice music material there, and Andy. Hopefully, at some point, we're going to pull it out of him. But there's a yeah, there's a sort of mo- long-standing mooted album called, which yeah. I think is provisionally titled "Arguments Against an Italian Version." Right. I do think, and uh, I think they would make a really, really interesting album. I've watched them like like evolve through various shows and sort of even songs that I remember from their first couple of shows. I don't even know if they would still make it onto an album. I mean, they don't necessarily play them live anymore. But like, so there's such a lot of great ideas in that band, and and they're they're, they're not they're, they're again. There's just there's something hard to describe about the feel you get from them when you see them perform as well. They're Strange, strange bunch. Mm. <laughs> strange bunch. A nice uncategorizable sound as well. Nothing that you could actually put a label on or say that it's file under this or that. Goss. No, it's I guess I think. I, th- <laughs> I mean, I, if I had to, I might. I think there's probably a lot of music from the maybe sort of late seventies, early eighties right. is, is is something that as you know they enjoy. Post punk abstract, abstract pop sound. Yeah, but again, Andy's lyrical approach is fairly unusual, yeah. quite eccentric. That was yeah, good, that, that one, though, with the how everybody's having a great time. Yeah, I love the way it's sung from the point of view of a sort of anxious host, apparently, at the beginning, of, confronted by a group of young people arriving and being conflicted about whether or not to let them into his house. <laughs> I mean, people just don't write songs like that no. anymore. <laughs> These things happen. <laughs> These situations do happen. We try and sweep them under the carpet. But it's something that does happen, the anxious Social host. Social anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Tell me about it. Yep. Well, we've almost out of time, really. We've got time for one more bit of music to play, and um, this is uh, a new a new record that's not out yet. That's a kind of skill seven, stamina twelve, taken on yeah. to another, another stage, isn't it? It's something which we imp- is based on, on improvisation. So uh, between myself, Dan Fox, and Ashley, so it comes out of the it's just a continuation of where we we're at with skill seven, stamina twelve. But Michael wasn't around because we were doing it in Amsterdam. We were we were planning on doing some music maybe for a video project I was working on, but it just became its own thing fairly quickly and so now we have this thing and we're i think we're looking at potentially finding somewhere to release it yeah i mean see see again like it seems to me that there's a there's a kind of there's a there's a there's a shape shape to this the way that skill seven stamina 12 has perhaps stopped and this has sort of started because as i was saying before skill seven had hit a hit a hit a point where we we were no longer really writing songs it didn't really feel like i didn't feel like i wanted to i didn't know where we were going to go and then this this stuff, this advanced sportswear stuff, which just so happened that Micah wasn't around for, was just the three of us together in Holland, brought together in Holland, and and then there, suddenly there was some time available. So it's like, well, we, you know, there's some instruments. But I I honestly really felt like I had to almost had to be dragged dragged along by the other two to do this at all because I I don't know I don't feel any I don't feel any need to do anything anymore. Like I don't you know to I was I was kind of almost enjoying having a complete break. But I'm really glad that they yeah. encouraged me to just do something. I mean, I listen back to some of my own personal contributions and think, my God, I never would have let that go, you know. But that's, but again, that's something that's part of the process of working with people like Dan and Nat who do let things go. I've, I've got into that now, you know. You can, like, pan out and, and, and take peel away the scrutiny a little bit sometimes and just let the sound of what just happens naturally just present that to people and hopefully some people will will actually enjoy it you know i hope so because i i feel there's something of worth in it you know well this is advanced sportswear it's uh, an album that's not out yet but at some point in the, this year perhaps it will emerge yeah i think yeah and the tracks aren't titled are they so this is not just track, track 8 and um I, I must admit i listened to the whole the whole cd i thought from the very few seconds it got me mm. and i thought this is good it's got quite a broad range of dynamics across the yeah. whole album. This is actually kind of coming towards the end of the album, and it's almost like it's it it it's starting to kind of come come down the other side. It, I think it, it does it does build somewhere in the middle of the album. Well, well, listen, we'll go out on this. So thanks a lot for coming in. Thanks, Thank Mike. And it's junioraspirin.com is the address. So ha- have a look at that. And uh, Nathaniel Mellers and Ashley Marlow. Thanks, thanks a lot. Thank you.
a different soundtrack. A different soundtrack. 